let's just go as the mentality of today. And yeah, thanks, Jason, for joining us. Long time, mate. It's been a while. Was it 2014? Was we were the first intake of what was then Guru Performance, which is now Institute of Performance Nutrition. You've done yeah. a lot in that time and you do a lot in the men's space, which is, I wanted to get you on for a catch up anyway, as just like someone I, I hugely respect in the industry and on a personal level as well. Is I think I, I explained the intent of these podcasts, just mates having a chat that people can over over here, which I think is the, the organic and the enjoyable thing about podcasts is if it feels too formal, if it feels too rigid, if it feels like I'm pulling away important things that you're talking about to keep to a set, set of questions that I'd already formalized, it just... It clunky. I, I don't enjoy that stuff. So, yeah, this is just have a chat, mate. Yeah, yeah. So, for the record, this is this is very live. I, I haven't been sent any questions in advance, unfortunately. So, I literally have no idea what Dan's going to say. Absolutely, going to be extremely controversial. <laughs> you look a bit fearful because of that. I feel like you've caveat the whole podcast. He's, he's putting people on blast today, he's told me, and he's, he's bringing me down with him. Um, so that's the, that's the procedure for today. That's my um, style. Everyone knows that's my style. I'm that guy. That's, that's what I'm out here doing, stirring up the pot, causing, causing controversy. How are things with you, mate? Before, yeah, before, we, before we begin, I, I had like a question for you. Oh, yeah. no, 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 hang on, hang on. That's yeah. not what this is about. Now go on. Yeah, go on. Uh, you know, I've seen you kind of mixing with, you know, the high society or uh, the fitness world. And why was it you wanted to kind of get me on your on your show to test out this new software? Well, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter your question with a question. What, like high society, I don't really know what that means. I, I think... In terms of how they operate, in terms of like fitness cliques, you sound like you're a bit suspicious about my motives here, Jason, mate. No, no, no. I'm I'm flattered. No, I mean, high society, I'm talking about, you know, you're you're on, you know, you do a lot of public speaking in the kind of fitness space. You know, it's very impressive. And, you know, like my buddy, our buddy Tarek, you know, like you mentioned, it's great to see some of the people um, that we studied with in those kind of early days, you know, go on to, um, you know, really own their space and, you know, carve out a niche within the industry. And, you know, it, it's, yeah, I'm really proud of your um, achievements. And when oh, I kind man. of see you up there on stages, um, you know, pushing a new you know, subject matter that's kind of really kind of touched upon, you know, quite an honest, um, you know, health focused to you know health and fitness and you know it's, it's great to see so you know i just was curious as to where you see saw my kind of input in that oh thank you man i appreciate the compliment i suppose uh, it's serendipity like a lot of it and i think often that's a conversation that's kind of missed out of the health space we have a lot of privilege we have a lot of luck and we have a lot of serendipitous just circumstances that come about so i don't really know what higher society is but i guess the opportunities to do those things are just and you know what it's like, and speaking quite candidly, it's often a case in this space of just chucking shit against the wall. And sometimes you're pissing in the wind. You don't know how things are going to land. You don't know how things are going to reach certain people. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily banging on people's doors. I've just, opportunities have presented themselves. I like to think I represent myself in a way I want to be represented. I'm myself. I can't be anyone else. And I've fallen into those, you know, I haven't really make a, made a concerted effort to say, 
I want to do this is it's kind of I've been very fortunate it's led to those things and you know I'm hugely grateful for those opportunities that come up and, and to answer your actual question the reason why I want to chat to you is because you're always someone I've, I've always hugely respected on a professional level pushing health and well-being as a spectrum that it is the physical and the, the mental side of things but also as a, a men's health advocate which much is, and not as a what about is, and much is spoken to the women side of things, you know, the plight of women, rightfully so, is spoken about a lot more often, especially in terms of body image and how women are far different to men in many respects, especially when it comes to the menstrual cycle, cycle things like the menopause and how hormonal changes and their ability to do things and why they might invest in physical activity and being more mindful of the nutrition in terms of longevity and not just look in a certain way but you are putting yourself forward and speaking a lot for men and you know as a man I hugely respect that I want to hear more of that and it's candid conversations with people I respect and also on a personal level I feel like we click we have clicked we might not speak as often as we do so yeah no no agenda here mate I just you know I'm, I'm getting people on that I just enjoy chatting to that I always said that was my agenda with this so it's not necessarily I'm not speaking about this instance, by the way, is if I'm going to get people on to have a discussion, it's always going to be people that I respect on whatever, even if I don't agree with them on everything, you know, and if you've, if hopefully the listeners that have stuck with episodes up until now, as I don't always agree with people and everything, but you can have respectful disagreement on ideas. It doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to align with people, but this is just a, a podcast that delves into deeper kind of what people are about, their motives, not necessarily about what they can offer in terms of value all the time but just because I feel like they've got an interesting story or they've got some interesting life experiences to share with people. So there's no intent here with, I don't just talk about coaching, which is baffling to a lot of people because I know a lot of people in our space, they use that to push their business. Whereas I can come and we talk about whatever on here. And that, you know, that's the fascinating thing. So I'd love to hear about what you've been up to because you are doing more in the men's space. I know you've been trying to push forwards with, more talks yourself you're doing some work with third space at the moment you're quite a crucial part there you do obviously you've gone on to someone that values higher education as well and invested a lot into yourself yeah so just hearing a bit about more about your story mate where did the impetus to get involved in more the higher education end come from initially because you know we both jumped on that course on 2014 the first intake i don't think either one of us knew what we were getting involved with but no. that opened the door to other opportunities, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, opportunities presented themselves and, you know, you and I were both ready to kind of, you know, jump on those and see where it took us. You know, back in 2012, I'd done a, um, a UK SCA accreditation. You know, whilst I kind of learned a lot about kind of programming, um, the actual application of, um, you know, Olympic lifting with the kind of people I work, was working with, still working with, um, you know, had kind of very limited uses. Um, so this kind of idea that I was going to become an S&C coach and, you know, become like the man, you know, the complete package, um, you know, I was kind of left, you know, still wanting at the end of that. And, you know, I, I'd, I'd kind of worked, you know, met Laurent Bannock and, you know, he, he kind of launched this course, the CISSN, the postgrad, uh, and you and I had done that at the University of Westminster. And, you know, I thought at the time that, you know, nutrition really was going to be the key to kind of being, you know, much more effective with the kind of gem pop 
clientele that I was working with. Um, and it was, you know, certainly the kind of the weak link in my armor. So that was going to be where I was going to invest my, my, you know, efforts and my focus and my energies. So I did that, you know, and really got a kind of appetite for, for learning. You know, I left school with, without two GCSEs to rub together. You know, I had one GCSE in like English or something, you know, just wasn't really willing to, to learn or motivated to learn at that age. Um, but, you know, as an adult, you know, I was kind of very, you know, engaged with kind of learning. It was challenging. It was a very steep learning curve at that, at that point. You know, the kind of the, the, you know, hardcore biochemistry that we'd kind of thrown ourselves into. And I remember reading these, um, you know, giant textbooks. And, you know, if you'd asked me, you know, what was on that page you just read, I wouldn't be able to tell you. And, and, you know, it felt like I was, you know, reading in a foreign language, but surprisingly, you know, it was going in. And I remember that, you know, I remember the point where I was having a conversation with Lauren and, you know, I suddenly started to speak about protein and it, you know, it was making sense. And as the words were coming out of my mouth, it was almost like someone else is kind of speaking, speaking them. But, you know, the, the dots were beginning to connect. I was able to beginning to be able to see the angles and, you know, I felt empowered by that experience. Uh, an opportunity came up to go from uh, Westminster University to now go to uh, Middlesex University and do a master's. So we were there, you know, all looking for, you know, our kind of thesis subject, the stuff we were kind of passionate about that we were going to, you know, research and study. Um, and my area was kind of testosterone. And I suppose that's kind of, you know, partly why, um, you know, we can have a good conversation about kind of men's health and how that relates to men's, men's health, you know, in the podcast today. So what I studied there for two years was the, the, the effect of training and nutrition and recovery on testosterone in middle-aged men, the natural production of testosterone in middle-aged men. Now, this was a, a master's in sport and exercise science. And however, and I kept having to be kind of brought back on, you know, back on beam as it were, you know, I kind of found that, you know, testosterone actually beyond the, you know, the sporting benefits, you know, building muscle, um, you know, aggression, competitiveness, um, you know, re reduction in kind of fat storage, you know, the kind of physical benefits, the, the kind of the, the mental and the cognitive benefits and the, you know, well-being benefits, you know, I found, you know, almost equally as interesting. So it kind of opened up the space uh, or opened up the focus in terms of, you know, just the physical health of an individual of, you know, of a man, but, you know, also applies to women and, you know, opens it up to kind of looking at the kind of the mental health of, of an individual as well. So I studied that for a couple of years and, you know, we really enjoyed the experience at the end of it. You know, I went from a man with, um, you know, barely educated to becoming a master of science and sorry, pretty bloody impressive. I go, I think that, that speaks to, you know, I guess like the archetype structure of how schooling system is, is if you can capture someone's attention and really engage them in something they want to learn about, that's going to bring out the best in everyone. But I always think it's quite, quite baffling. If you look at the school model is it's, it's the same, it's been the same model for hundreds of years. It's, I, I don't know about you. I, I haven't used Pythagoras theory of any any time recently but i could probably do with some tips on my tax and you know <laughs> when it comes to balance sheets and things like that but what yeah real life skills you know i always think like emotional regulation would be great for kids to learn because that's something i didn't learn until i was probably 30. i was looking at uh, doing some research for my for my doctorate that i'm now doing um, at birmingham university which is a you know top six uni in the uk for sports science 
and looking at the effect of Q training in schools and how that raises grades by about 11% when you take students through that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, where I'm currently at in my education is looking at education and how we can kind of change that to kind of improve the, you know, the effectiveness of, of the skills. And, um, you know, maybe we can kind of get, on, get, get into it later on in the conversation, but as an industry, we are and very logical. I understand why, you know, we focus on, you know, the hard technical skills, you know, let's learn about anatomy, let's learn about biomechanics, let's learn about biochemistry, nutrition, you know, all that kind of stuff. My point is, I think for, for kind of most trainers working with gen pop clients, actually the skills they're missing is, you know, communication skills and the soft skills and the interpersonal skills and the coaching skills. And actually, the industry doesn't have uh, you know, a lack of uh, information or a lack of knowledge. Our shortfall is the implementation of the knowledge that we already have. Because you know, for most people that just want to lose weight, you, know, you just need to move more and eat less, right? And you can dress that up in any way you want, you know, make it seem more complicated than it actually is. But you know, traders know that, clients know that, you know, just for some reason, people are just not doing what they know they need to do. So yeah, that's kind of where, where I'm at now, but you know, we're talking about, I guess, men's health and... Um, well, I, I feel that's relevant because I think that's very apt kind of within the conversation, the realms of coaching, especially because it is very rational based. And I guess most of us, when we first get into it, like our start in the industry, I guess, was very similar. I started as a level two health and fitness instructor doing health MOTs, wiping sweat off machines, did my PT at uni to earn a bit of money. And then I went on to do my UKSEA and had like most people do, is you have aspirations on working up and down the country and working with high-level athletes. That evolves, obviously, because rationality aside is we're also emotionally led as creatures. We're social creatures. My bugbear, actually, a lot lot of the coaching seems to be around, like using fat loss as an example, you have fat, you aren't fat. That's cool. But if you're working with someone that has been in a larger body, the majority of their life is that logic is, is null and void because they know that, but that doesn't stop them from see, feeling a certain way. That doesn't stop the behaviors that have led them there getting in the way. That doesn't change how they think about themselves. So when you scratch beneath the surface, it's, it's so much more than this logical, rational, objective stuff it's the subjectivity and getting that to stick with that individual which is so important and probably what we experienced with a lot of the the directive coaching if you like and the exercise instruction side of things is that when we're working with an individual is is it's all very well telling someone what to do but actually understanding their life experiences the challenges they are going through are totally different and there was no business acumen kind of advice when we first got in it was you do this exercise for this and this is how you do it in the safest way possible but we've almost got this as we tend to overcorrective pendulum swing is it's so business acumen focused as you say like uh, you, I, soft skills is the interchangeably used term but I feel like soft skills doesn't do it justice because the hard skills are essential life skills and g- generally speaking I think if someone's got the emotional intelligence to be able to communicate with people on their terms is that sets you one foot ahead of most other people, even if you're working in a corporate environment, because you have a better understanding of yourself, you have a better understanding of other people. And 
I guess you could probably attest to working with lots of people over the years that academically, objectively, in terms of scientific knowledge, are great practitioners. But how they can communicate with people is a whole different ballgame. And if you can't communicate with people, then your knowledge base is quite kind of irrelevant in that space. No, and and I think I think within our well within our industry within other industries there are individuals who you know intuitively have high levels of those skills emotional intelligence you know able to communicate you know empathy being able to motivate individuals and you know they prosper as a result of having that skill set but I think we we look at it different in that you know. No one really understands anatomy and biomechanics. You know, they have to kind of, or they do understand it. No one kind of intuitively knows that. They have to kind of learn this stuff and delve into it, research that stuff. And I think we need to be able to apply that same, you know, progressive view to developing those interpersonal skills as well. You know, so, you know, you may be an excellent communicator and I may not, but there's no reason why if I don't apply myself and try and learn and develop those skill sets, you know, I can come up to a kind of, you know, a similar level to you. So it's just, I suppose, um, growth mindset that things we think we're, you know, naturally good at or naturally not good at, you know, it's just because we haven't dedicated the time to developing those skills. So I think we just need to kind of shift the focus of the industry or spread the focus of the industry to, you know, apply those same, you know, learning principles and, you know, trying to develop in other areas beyond just the kind of very, you know, objective, technical, hard skill set. I feel that's so important to acknowledge because my understanding from the reading I've done as well is EQ is... I don't want to say more easily, but is better improved as any kind of skill acquisition than IQ. So, you know, you have people that are naturally part of their genetic predisposition, quite intelligent. They pick up skills quite easily or pick up information quite easily. But EQ is far more movable. So if you like any other skill, you apply yourself, you practice it. And often the just the art of listening, especially in the kind of the men's space, I think, is men's health and men's mental health especially is there's often a lot of focus on strength in speaking but it's who is appropriately equipped with the listening skills and that in itself is a whole nother skill set i feel sorry just knocked over the mic there getting too getting too flamboyant with my hands you see if it's okay with you mate i want to not jump to but as a focal point is because i think it's particularly apt and poignant now because not that I'm I'm a gatekeeper of celeb news, but I saw Robbie Williams talking quite recently about andropause. Going through a big shift at the moment, and rightfully so, there's lots of menopause conversation because if you know a woman in your life, they are going to, categorically 100%, going to experience the menopause at some point. Andropause, I, I feel, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on it, it can be a phrase that's flippantly thrown around because... There is going to be a natural decline in hormonal production as we get older, as men, but the gravity of what people experience and how they experience it is going to be very individual as well. Could you kind of outline it for me, please? Yeah. People that aren't aware of what... I actually made some notes because I was hoping you you were going to kind of bring this up. so I don't know when it was, and you know, at the time I meant to, um, you know, write some kind of post or some response to it. So, you know, thought it was worthy of one, but various papers, you know, 
such as the Daily Mail, etc. They kind of put this kind of headline, you know, andropause or menopause or something like that, you know, to kind of, you know, deliberately provocative, you know, men are getting all these kind of, uh, you know, compensations and, you know, allowances as they kind of go through this stage, you know, isn't it kind of ridiculous? Um, and it triggered a lot of people, I mean, people I respect, uh, you know, women in the industry were, I suppose, um, you know, challenging of the fact that men should be, you know, there should be kind of allowances for men as they kind of go through this age. And I suppose, um, you know, disputing that, you know, andropause as it being presented was a thing. So whilst you're right, you know, menopause is, uh, you know, a very kind of abrupt process, um, that, you know, where that, you know, ovaries cease to function um, and there's a, you know, dramatic shift in the hormones within a female's body, um, you know, and, and, and various kind of symptoms. But the point I wanted to make was that gender specific health shouldn't be thought of as a kind of zero sum game. So if if men um, receive some kind of attention and some kind of investigation into this kind of area, it you know, doesn't mean that should come at the cost of women. Um, so that's kind of firstly kind of what I wanted to say. And the last podcast I was on was, uh, you know, a fella um, that was kind of did a lot of work in the, in the female health space. Um, and, you know, it got me on and I kind of pointed out that I'm not claiming to be any sort of expert on women's health, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of ally and I kind of understand that, you know, there needs to be, you know, a, you know, a gender focused approach at times, you know, women aren't just small men, but if we look at, uh, you know, what andropause is um, or and testosterone deficiency, testosterone deficiency can contribute towards depression and has been identified as a significant determinant of suicide risk. And that's from a study, or there's a couple of studies, but one by Schur um, 10 years ago. So the testosterone deficiency is a significant determinant of suicide risk, right? There's an abrupt rise in testosterone deficiency between the ages of 45 and 50, right? So that's when, you know, there's a kind of marked decline. You know, whether you say it's a correlation or a causation, but if you look at the Office of National Statistics, the peak suicide rates amongst men are between the ages of 45 and 50, right? So that male suicide is, is a problematic, it's the biggest killer of men under the age of 50. There's a peak in male suicide between the ages of 45 and 50. That correlates with when there's an abrupt rise in testosterone deficiency. So the papers to kind of whip up the public into kind of saying andropause isn't a thing you know i think that's yeah people are clearly talking as usual uh, you know without kind of really understanding the facts or at the very least the kind of context behind it so whilst testosterone deficiency is typically associated with a loss of energy loss of motivation uh, sexual dysfunction uh, inability to focus you know mood depression and suicide risk are also you know a very kind of real thing so you know what, so sorry to interrupt you i was going to say because yeah. some of the commentary around robbie williams and perhaps we'll delve into it a little bit in terms of body image but whereas he's been ridiculed in the past due to how much weight he's put on muscle atrophy being a thing as well and people are kind of ridiculing him for being quite skinny now and he attributes a lot of that to his testosterone deficiency yeah so um excuse me 
So our, our hormones, or the sex hormones, testosterone, estrogen, um, you know, play a very significant role in, you know, how, how we look, right? So when, you know, youths, when teenagers go through puberty, this kind of surge in testosterone, as well as the beards and, you know, the very fine moustache, you're sporting there. Um, uh, you know, they, they put on muscle in kind of male storage patterns. So, you know, large amounts of muscle on the, cho- on the shoulders, back, chest, etc. When that, when that testosterone begins to decline and you know we're we're we find it harder to kind of maintain our levels of muscle mass and you know also fat storage increases also you know if you kind of flip that and as women go through menopause and their estrogen levels drop now they have a kind of an imbalance between their estrogen levels and their testosterone levels so then they begin to store fat in an android pattern rather than the gynoid pattern so whereas previously in their um you know pre-menopause condition and they would store fat and you know on the kind of the hips the bum the thighs as they go through menopause and they have kind of a higher ratio of testosterone their fat storage patterns begin to kind of mimic more of the male pattern and that's when women uh store you know begin to store fat for the first time in you know kind of quite quite a rapid onset around their midsection. And that can be quite, you know, distressing and confusing for women. And, you know, interestingly, when females that have gone through menopause and are storing a lot of kind of fat around their midsection, when they have HRT, that fat redistributes itself. So they don't lose fat or body weight per se. They don't lose the fat, it just redistributes itself back to where, you know, women are kind of typically, younger women typically store uh, their body fat. But back to Robbie Williams and back to middle-aged men, you know, as we lose testosterone, you know, we, we, we lose our ability to, to, to maintain muscle mass and we tend to begin to store more fat as a result. Mm. Yeah, two really poignant things that jumped out at me then. You were talking about just, well, firstly, I, I want to kind of just echo what you're saying is I think, you can be hugely passionate about multiple different important things in the world. It doesn't make it a whataboutism. Because I often find that, you know, if I speak about men's mental health, you know, it's, it's to, well, actually more women attempt suicide. And that, yeah, that's that's true. You know, however you want to dub that in air quotations, men tend to be more successful, let's say, for want of a better phrase, following that through. But that's not to say that women don't experience mental health concerns as well. And I think when we're talking about the decline in, testosterone production that doesn't mean we take anything away from talking about the menopause that's the first thing i kind of want to say because that is how it it tends to be quite combative on social media especially i find is that it's not a great place for nuance it's not a great place for discussion and if you're talking about one thing it must mean you don't care about the anything else that's going on in the world which is just just nonsense right it's a visual platform you've got a tiny little caption to talk about one little thing the other thing that I i think you mentioned which was so so important is the the influence on your cognitive capacity for both andropause or the menopause and that actually a lot of people associate it's just a, a physical thing having biological implications on how they their bodies present themselves but how they think about themselves like foggy foggy being foggy minded fatigue generally being more apathetic towards the world generally being a little bit more less mo- motivated that has huge implications and that makes all those different behaviors testosterone's like such a cool hormone and you know when i was kind of reading about it you know during my masters you know i'd kind of find out all this stuff and i'm like wow and you know you you can uh, 
make an assumption on, on its kind of role in this context, but testosterone increases search persistence. So if you are, you know, high levels of testosterone, uh, we're more likely to kind of pursue our goals or pursue, you know, food sources, hunting, you know, than individuals with kind of lower um, testosterone. And then if you kind of look at that in the kind of, you know, the, the, the modern world, uh, there was a really great study um, done in a, you know, a London um, trading desk, you know, in the city, the financial district. And they found that men with higher testosterone and lower cortisol levels made more money than those with the other way around. So they were more inclined to make more confident, bold trades. Uh, and then the reverse being true, men with kind of low testosterone and higher kind of cortisol levels, um, you know, almost had a kind of paranoid, pessimistic kind of view of the markets and were much more timid. Um, so, you know, uh, so there's that kind of search persistence, you know, our, our kind of confidence in our actions. Um, and then also, you know, just kind of scanning um, you know, trading screens and looking at kind of numbers, uh, you know, lawyers looking through kind of documents, you know, we become much more kind of focused and diligent, you know, when we have kind of high testosterone levels. Mm. I'd be really interested to see like the parallels in, in women in those roles as well, like how that differs to norm population. So, you know, women that work in trades, for example, like how proportionately their level, their levels of hormones are different between well, them. The kind of the where they where, where this kind of study the recommendations were talking about the role of women and older men was that you know testosterone is I suppose you could describe it as a you know a dynamic hormone as it you know it rises and falls based on kind of external and internal variables factors so the presence of women in um, London trading desks or, or sorry, trading desks in financial markets as well as older men kind of flattens the kind of surges in hormones. So, you know, if you have lots of, you know, 20, 30 year old Essex boys like yourself. Easy. Easy. I'm definitely not 30 anymore, mate. It's all right. You can uh, <laughs> on a training desk, you know, things, you know, get a little too exuberant at times. Less, 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 Sorry? Less, 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 less. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the kind of recommendations of, of this study was, you know, you need to kind of have a kind of mix of... Rambunctious men down. That's <laughs> hilarious. Um, you know, undoes itself to a point. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. So I guess with that shift and this awareness of how crucial these hormones are is what I've seen, uh, I'm sure you've been witness to it as well, is I don't know whether it's a certain algorithm that feeds into how old I am now, but it's, it's all for hair transplant. It's for erectile dysfunction and TRT. That's what my type, and you know, I promise audience that is not what I'm searching on the internet, but that's what a lot of the, the marketing seems to be pitched with. Like, I think I'm quite fortunate in terms of hairline and stuff like that. It's really quite interesting that TRT has become such a focal point. And I'd be keen to get your thoughts on genuine testosterone replacement therapy much as the same as you know women might go down the hrt route and i think i'm trying to think of a, a more succinct less mean sounding way of saying it but essentially guys that just want to justify going on gear and call it a trt because we see we saw sort of we saw quite a lot of that in mma until they brought regulatory bodies in and i i feel because i 
Brazilian jiu-jitsu is my sport that is very rife in the world of jiu-jitsu because it's not tested and you do have men in their late 20s that are conveniently going on on TRT but a lot of the I guess the bodybuilding community that I hear speak of it on social media they're talking about it they're, talk, they're referring to it as TRT but it's from a supraphysiological standpoint which is if you're taking your testosterone levels above your relative normal ranges is just being assisted it's not TRT because <laughs> it's TRT and then some <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, you know, I suppose you want, wanted a, a certain level of controversy. Um, no, it's not. I don't think that's controversial. No, no, no. no what no, what no. I was going to say, I mean, I, I don't think this is controversial, but kind of my viewpoint on it is, uh, and you can kind of see me, you know, light up when I kind of talk about all these kind of like cool functions that testosterone has. You know, testosterone, in my, in my view, is like the elixir of youth. Right, it's um, you know intrinsically linked to kind of youthful masculinity and athleticism. So, uh, as men, we should want to keep our levels as kind of robust as we can for as long as we can, right? And that kind of lead to a kind of uh, an improvement or a maintenance of uh, you know a high quality of life. Um, I think there's like a continuum of, well, there is a continuum of kind of treatment in terms of aging or improving your testosterone levels. So for many individuals, you know, their lifestyle is, you know, not conducive to kind of maintaining decent levels of testosterone. You know, if they're the wrong side of 40 uh, and they're overweight, they're stressed, they don't get enough sleep, they don't exercise enough, they eat shit food. Um, you know, there's a lot you can do there to kind of improve the various variables that would influence testosterone you know if you have kind of optimized all those areas uh, and testosterone is still low you know i am you know a testosteroneista so you know I, I would i would encourage men to you know have their levels checked and you know this is what we i've introduced at third space where we have kind of you know blood testing where we have private nurses come in um, you know, to make it a more kind of seamless experience for our clients. And not that I recommend this to clients, but if an individual did have low testosterone uh, and was kind of experiencing some of the kind of side effects as a kind of result of that, and they'd try to optimize all those kind of uh, lifestyle variables and they still you know, weren't able to really kind of nudge their testosterone up, then yeah, I would, I would, I would consider going down the route of TRT, but, you know, not to a super physiological level um, because, you know, the, the amount of muscle you'll be able to build and how strong you are, are, you know, secondary really mm. to the kind of benefits of what testosterone does for a man, in my opinion, you know, they're, 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 that's cool that you can build muscle and, you know, you can stronger, but actually, you know, being kind of more alert, being more motivated, motivated, being more energized, you know, having a high libido, you know, those are the kind of benefits of testosterone that I would kind of praise above, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose like most things, there's, there's use and abuse, right? You know, if you're in the super physiological range and it's to the extent we know categorically professional bodybuilders, other sports and powerlifters, for example, the extremes they take that to in terms of dosage, which I'm, I'm always torn with. So we have this... Pardon? 
Yeah, sorry, I was going to say torn in what sense, but presumably... Yeah, in terms of transparency, right? So there's, there's more transparency, which is great. There are people, there are bodybuilders, there are powerlifters, there are other athletes saying, look, I'm an assisted athlete. I compete in a non-tested federation. Fine. We, I feel like we need to know that so we can manage other people's expectations, especially when we compare ourselves to them, see the incredible feats they're achieving. But I think there is a line in which it actually becomes unethical and is not responsible in any shape or form because you'll often see bodybuilders for example that will share yes i'm taking additional hormonal support and these are the doses that i'm taking at what intervals how much etc 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 so no matter how much they caveat that with this is for me this is what i do and i'm not suggesting that to anyone else social media and the nature of it means Probably somewhere there's a 15-year-old boy who stepped into a gym for the first time. There is someone selling, not what the professional athletes are getting hold of, which may be pharmaceutical grade, but something they've, I don't know where they get it from, but of like recreational drugs almost is you don't actually know what you'd be buying. And a 15-year-old is going in, getting that and just dosing themselves essentially with what their favorite bodybuilder is. And that's the part I don't get on board. And I don't know what the answer to that is because... We want some transparency. If you had to choose, would you, and I do, do see your point, would you want that kind of transparency as in I'm not going to pretend I'm natural? Because I've, I've, been, I've been on courses and, you know, I'm not going to name names, obviously. Mm. They're talking about, you know, work ethic and training splits and, you know, various other things, their nutrition and how disciplined they are. And I'm thinking, but you're, you're yeah. clearly on gear sure right which and um there's another cool study that kind of looked at kind of testosterone um, and that, you know testosterone is actually i suppose relatively mild compared to what some of these guys are taking yeah it's um, not just testosterone right that you know and, and they had these these, these four cohorts uh, and kind of long story short the individuals who so they had um, people who were exercising and not taking gear people that were exercising and taking gear people that weren't exercising uh, and taking gear and the people that weren't exercising you know sitting on their sofa watching netflix and taking uh, testosterone put on more muscle during that time frame than the people that went to the gym and mm. busted their ass. so if people are and people do i think the norm has been that people just pretend they're not taking gear and they're going to deny it and you know they they, they have these incredible physiques which are kind of beyond the realm of you know an unassisted individual mm. well, also within that they're, they're objectifying themselves and they're using their bodies as a sales pitch without being disclosing that so when you're saying by my, I don't know, like 16 week program and you can look just like me, just follow my diet, just follow my training routine and not disclosing that. That again, I feel is, that's not misinformation, that's disinformation. That's I'm deliberately deceiving you by missing out these details on the hope and whim that you, I'm going to inspire you so much, you're going to give me your money basically. So I think yeah. to answer your so question is I would want the transparency. Route. Sorry. Yeah, do we, go down that, do we go down that route where people are like honest um, yeah, where is it? Like Denmark, I think, where you have to, where if you touch up photos on, on yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen it in France, isn't it? France as well. France, yeah, influencers yeah, yeah. have to declare that they do that. that. You know, a little kind of disclaimer, like hashtag ad, hashtag gear. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's the that's the tag that would ever float. Or, or you know, or do we risk? Um, because you're right, absolutely right. There will be kids that will just be like, 
that's what I'm, that's what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, much the same as I think there's a filter for certain images and certain things. Like there's always going to be a dark web and however people access that to get whatever they need. But to make it so accessible that you can go on your favorite bodybuilders Instagram page essentially and find out their stack that they take. You know, I don't, the transparency, yes, in my opinion, this is just my feeling at the moment. And by the way, I'm, I'm quite happy to change that if someone presents me with something that convinces me otherwise. But transparency, yes, in terms of, by the way, I take other things. Transparency in the sense of this is how much I take and this is what I take. I don't think we need to know that. You know, I think, yeah, we, I think we just need to go hashtag, <coughs> excuse me, hashtag assisted. I mean, I'm joking here, but, you know, I don't think it needs the, the, the detail. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I, yeah, I'm assisted. This is my, this is what we do. Yeah. This is how I make my money. Assisted. What do you think of, but by the way, Sorry, I was going to say, by the way, there is no judgment on this at all, because I know men that are on TRT, also know men that use use other, you know, hormonal support for their sport or just generally recreationally. And there's no judgment on that. It's a very personal decision. But I just think when we're talking about education and communication online, I do think there is an ethical responsibility to disclose certain information, but also withhold certain information as well. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, I was I was just thinking whether I was going a bit far on this one, but I'm just going to go with it anyway. I saw something that kind of made me chuckle the other day on a magazine that posted something on social media about a uh, Marvel superhero uh, actor's physique and the resistance band workout that they did to get this, you know. Yeah. And I thought that is ridiculous. Yeah. In, you know, the level of kind of dishonesty that, you know, at the, at the very least, you know, you're going to be in a bodybuilding gym, um, you know, using machines. You do not, you did not get. No one built those muscles with resistance uh, a resistance band. Um, so, you know, a resistance band and a chicken and broccoli, you know, didn't yeah. cut. I mean, if you think that's as controversial as you can make it, you obviously haven't listened to this podcast before. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was just going to say, like, outright. I think when it comes to, so we can acknowledge that certain figures just do what they do, even if they don't up to it. I mean, for Dwayne Johnson to carry that much muscle on his physique in a, as a man approaching 50, is he 50? Must be near on 50. The older you get, there comes more and more physiological risk with just more mass, regardless of whether that mass is adipose tissue or fat mass. So he is at greater risk of health implications, but also it's pretty much impossible to add the muscle to his physique and carry carry that around day to day without assistance. And that's not a slight on him. I have huge admiration for him and his movies, what he's achieved, but that's just what it is, right? We can acknowledge that as what it is. But what I do echo with what you're saying is, the likes of Chris Hemsworth, for example. That's who I was talking about, yeah. Has an app which is based around body weight movements, banded movements, tiny little dumbbell movements. Essentially, where the underlying message is you can build a body like Thor if you invest in my app, if you invest in my my bands or my light dumbbells, which I think is hugely misleading and 
well, that's the nicest way I can say it. I think that's not just misleading. I think that's capitalizing on people's vulnerabilities. That's capitalizing on their insecurities. And I think he has just sold the app for like millions and millions. So yeah, that's pretty shitty, isn't it? Because it's it, shitty. Shitty is the, the perfect word for it. And then if you think about who his audience is, as Thor, it's you know, So yeah, you're 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 you know hoodwinking these kids mm. into thinking by like resistance bands. Yeah, I mean, like, gonna... you remove the the app from that. The fact that he's selling an app or he's selling exercise equipment, it is what it is. But I think yeah, what what makes that more sinister, as you say, is hoodwinking the audience. Yeah, that that's my my gut feeling on that because I think when we talk about and you know we can talk about the the misgivings of all the information that we I think about testosterone boosting supplements on the market and people aren't aware that you have your <laughs> genetic predisposition you have your natural ranges of testosterone you're likely end up in with, over your lifespan but boosting it above that isn't actually physiologically possible without the external introduction of it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff, I think, really is, you know, like penis enlargement pills, right? It's just not, not really, it's just not going to do what you're trying, what you want it to kind of... Why did you look uh, at me dead in the eyes when you said that? <laughs> you know, we, we, we kind of, you know, we, we, we like this idea of I'm going to be able to build loads of muscle and, you know, I'm going to be this, you know, sexual athlete because my testosterone is going to be like through the roof. You know, these supplements don't, don't do that for you. Um, you know, if you do, if you do want like that kind of, that surge in testosterone, you know, it's, it's, we, we, we're going down the route of the kind of the, the chat that, you know, the paragraph we've just discussed. So, you know, it, it, I guess the point I was trying to make is, you know, these, these marketing companies are trying to appeal to our insecurities or men's insecurities by kind of marketing these supplements that are going to do this thing for them, which, you know, they, they kind of don't. Yeah. It's just, I suppose, the point I was trying to make. Yeah, no, the, the, the report factors, as you say, like, is, is a, um, you know, an emotionally driven thing subject you know hormone it's not like it's not like thyroid or ghrelin and I, i'm not that kind of invested in in that you know oh yeah i mean it's, it's, it's to our, our you know our, our our idea of ourselves yeah what know, masculinity is a primitive reptilian brain or lack of it. Yeah, um, you mentioned penis size, you mentioned erectile dysfunction, you mentioned hairlines, you mentioned, you know, all of these other things that make men think they're physically embodying masculinity to a certain level, which the why the appeal of adding muscle is so, so up there and having low levels of body fat. I'm hugely aware of time and I don't want to steal much more of yours. In terms of lifestyle factors, so we know the... The bare basics, if you like, you know, the, the sleep, rest, nourishing your body, exercising, engaging, lifting, resistance, etc. On the remaining, I say remaining, keeping your testosterone within as high as possible within your natural ranges. Is there anything you've stumbled across on the research which you think would be quite surprising to, for people to hear, whether it's a certain food, a certain ingredient a certain mode of training 
No, not really. Of course. That, <laughs> that was the answer I thought you was going to say. Because yeah, that's kind of the point, yeah. like, you want me to say, well, well, Dan, like, here's this supplement I've found that's... I actually definitely uh, don't. I think that's really yeah. refreshing for people uh, to I do. I mean, like, the industry, the world wants yeah. a silver bullet. No, I mean, it really, it's down to... So take myself for an, as an example. Um, you know, I, I get it. I get it less now. I did, you know, a few years ago when I first kind of started working with, with coaches, educating coaches, where people would kind of be asking me about these kind of niche supplements that they kind of heard about. Um, but for me personally, the biggest testosterone booster, if you like, or muscle booster would be to get more sleep, mm. right? And it's, it's pretty basic, mm. right? Get some sleep, manage your stress, um, eat a decent diet, you know, a high fat diet, you know, lift weights, don't do, you know, don't do a marathon, don't do excessive amounts of cardio. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's those things, you know, it's taking things back to basics and looking at kind of optimizing all, all, those, yeah. all those things. For the marathon runners out there, by the way, we're not suggesting like your testosterone levels are going to drop through the floor. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, they tend to be lower though. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I guess it's that whole cortisol conundrum, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's typically thought of as a negative. We need some cortisol. It's that acute stress, which is important for adaptation, but it's the prolonged chronic. So whether that be emotional, physical, or just your, your hobby, if you like, which is long distance running, is going to have implications longer term, I think. But it's, yeah, finding the mix of acute and chronic chronic being the not so favorable right yeah yeah is there anything you kind of want to mention if anyone wants to find out more information mate where can they go to to hear more about you well i mean yeah this, this has got a broad broad reach so if you want to kind of find out more about non-testosterone stuff that i've kind of been delving into of late so basically my kind of phd research um i've just written um i've just created a course for pure gym on coaching behavior change if you're a oh, pure gym trainer, um, you can jump on that app so myself and my, my buddy mark who's, who works at pure gym we created this active iq accredited course on coaching behavior change so some of the stuff we touched on at the beginning and what else um yeah that's that's cool i mean i'm going to be doing some kind of research soon so um i'll be um you know looking at kind of ways i can kind of access or kind of work with coaches so i guess you know check in on my instagram jason jackson pt the ig um, which i'll put in the show notes anyway but thank you mate i really appreciate your time and to the avid listener i think more than just my mum listens to this hopefully if you do like it please do share it drop us a review as well i'm always happy to listen to constructive feedback if you hate it you know keep that to yourself but until next time thanks mate nice one hello welcome to another episode we've gone in with fuck it let's just go as the mentality of today and yeah thanks jason for joining us long time mate it's been a while was it 2014 was 